Hey, welcome to Hope Des Moines. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I am not Pastor John Annenson. Uh, I am Nick Brannon. I am a pastor at uh, Hope's West Des Moines campus, uh, and I work with uh, students primarily. And so uh, I'm really honored to be here today. It's really fun to be. I, I love this campus. This campus is, is uh, don't tell West Des Moines, but this is my favorite. I love this place. Uh, this, this place is awesome, and it's su such a gift for me to be able to come and be with all of you today. Uh, I showed you that clip. Uh, of uh, George and his family sitting down to dinner and planning out uh, his daughter's wedding, which of course is a really big day. How many of you have had a daughter or been a daughter that has been married? Maybe you're, you've been a father of the bride, okay? Yeah, so you know there, there's that, that awkward, tense time when it comes to planning how many people are going to show up to this expensive party, right? And, and you know, you want to have... As many friends as you have possible come, but you also want to eat more than, you know, like the little communion wafers and water, okay? Like, th that wouldn't be enough to feed everybody, okay? Like, you have to figure out what's the balance. And, uh, and I think that we feel this pressure a lot when it comes to all sorts of different arenas of life, whether uh, we just had a Cinco de Mayo party at our house, and it's like, okay, how much, how much pork carnitas do we make? Uh, do we make a lot? Well, I don't know if I want to pay that much. Or do we make ground beef? Or well, Ground beef's really expensive right now. So carnitas, I smoked carnitas, and it was so good. It was so, so good. So I know you're jealous of my Cinco de Mayo party now. Anyway, uh, so whether it's the parties that we plan, but it even comes comes to, uh, to real life where we meet this world uh, in church, in church. How big of a party are we going to throw on Sunday? How big of a party? Like, how much room are we going to make? And one of the questions that, that comes to Hope a lot, because uh, if you're new to Hope, let me just tell you a little bit about our church. We don't just meet in this location. We meet actually in, in uh, five different campuses and two local sites. And one of those local sites is turning into its own campus because it's continued to grow. Across central Iowa, there are literally thousands of people that are coming to worship God every single weekend. And, uh, uh, and the, God is moving in this city. And in this region of the country, God is on the move, not just in this region of the country, but God is using the people in this region of the country to reach people all over the country. You saw in Hope 360, uh, all the different mission trips that are going on. For those of you that have been around, you know the Lenten Project, where we built, I think it's like 170-some churches over in Ghana, Africa. I mean, praise God for that. That's amazing, right? 170-some churches. That's incredible. That is so cool. And, and I'm really excited because as the youth pastor at Hope, uh, this afternoon, so I'll, this is my day today. It's going to be a really fun one. So I'm, I'm here with you guys at, at uh, 9.15, and then 11, then I drive to West Des Moines, and we're having our confirmation service, and we have over, we have 576 is the the final count, 576 students that are being confirmed in their faith today, like this day. I mean, 576. That's incredible. That is so cool. And, and I'll tell you what, like sometimes youth pastors get around and we kind of like joke and say, ah, confirmation Sunday is when more kids lie in church than any other Sunday because they're just like saying what grandma told them to say. And you know, some of them might, some of them might. But if you could read the faith statements that they've written, you would know that God is on the move in 576 junior high students' lives. It's, it's just incredible. And, and what happens uh, all the time, I mean, we, we get questions all the time at Hope, like, how, how big are you trying to get? Like, is it just all about the numbers? Is, is it just all about, like, 
like how, how big of a crowd that you can gather? Is, is that what church is all about? Because when I read the Bible, there's all sorts of other things that are really important too. And what kind of party are you trying to have? What kind of banquet are you trying to plan every week? And so we, we get questions like this from time to time. And, you know, it's okay. Uh, we can be asked those questions. It doesn't make us nervous or anxious or feel like that we're doing anything unfaithful or unbiblical or, or anything like that. Uh, we're happy to, to talk about it. And so we thought, since we get that question all the time, and we're in a series called You Asked It, where we're going through all sorts of different questions, we'll just talk about it. So today, that's what we're, we're going to look into. We're going to ask the question, isn't hope big enough already? And, and you can probably tell... The answer is no, right? But we're going to talk about why. Why, why continue to grow? Why continue to go? Why, I mean, we could all just kind of sit around and pat each other on the back and say, wow, I mean, this is incredible. God is doing amazing things. And aren't we so lucky? And yeah, we are blessed. God is doing amazing things. But one of the things that, that I know deep in my heart is just that if you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. You got more to do. We have more to do. There is more hope to be shared in this world. And there's a problem, okay? So the problem that tends to happen when it comes to understanding churches and, like, church size and what kind of party do you want to throw and those sorts of things, the problem is, uh, and the thing that often gets in the way is that we want church to be what we want church to be right? We want church. This is just like a human thing. It's very normal. We want church to be just like we want church to be. I showed you this clip from Father of the Bride. How many of you have seen Father of the Bride? Good, because it's amazing uh, and such a great movie. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. Her favorite is Miss Congeniality, and I think this is number two. Uh, so I've watched this movie many times, and uh, in this movie, George, the father of the bride, he is, uh, there's this conflict between the wedding uh, of, of the bride's dreams and how cheap George is. He's incredibly cheap. And he wants the wedding to be simple, like the simple barbecue, where it really can be about him being at the barbecue and, and at his house and, and at his favorite restaurant. And, and what happened was this wedding, he tried to make it what he wanted it to be because that's the human thing that we do, right? And when it comes to church, I mean, there's all sorts of things how we want it to be, how we want it to be. We want it to be that, that way, like sometimes we come to church and there's someone sitting in our spot, you know what I'm talking about? But you want to go up and say, that's my chair, except you're Iowa nice, so you just can't. So you just kind of like don't know where to go. You don't know where to, like, and you, just, you try to think that thing where, okay, most Iowans don't like to leave at least one chair buffer between each other. Should I just go sit right up next and just kind of like just do one of these? Because I don't want to actually say something because I'm too passive aggressive to do that. So I might be preaching to myself just a little bit there. Uh, so whether it's someone sitting in our chair or we come in and, oh man, I wish that they just would play some more hymns or I wish that they would play some more rock and roll music or I don't know what it would be, but we all have these preferences and, and you might have preferences that are, lean this way. You might have preferences that lean that way. And the truth is that we just kind of want church to be how we want church to be. And I'm that way too. We, we all have those preferences, but there's a problem. There's a problem. Sometimes our preferences get in the way of the point. 
Sometimes our preferences get in the way of what really matters and why we're here and, and why we exist as a church. Why, like, why the church isn't just a cultural fad that fades away in, in a matter of, uh, like, I mean, so how many of you remember, like, bell-bottom jeans, okay? Yeah, the, those, those jeans, praise the Lord, have faded away, and we don't anticipate them coming back, Right? And hopefully they will never come back. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will never fade away. And it will always be back because Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is the pastor and the king of this church and the whole church across the world. And you know what that means? That means that this isn't a fad. This isn't a fad. This isn't just something that's just kind of like, Oh, a nice cultural thing that we do. Uh, it's a good representation of American Christianity or something. Like that. That's not what this is. This isn't just a bunch of people who decided we all have similar preferences. We're not united by our preferences. We're united by our Lord Jesus. That's how we are united. And, and the truth is that uh, what, what happens when our preferences get in the way of the point, especially when it comes to like size and numbers, there, there's a couple things that people, that people think. Uh, one is that smaller is better. Smaller is better. Okay? And, and so some people will think uh, smaller is better because uh, you can have more intimate relationships and you can know other people and you can, you can uh, know everyone in the, in the church. And, and it's so great to just know everyone. And that means, you know what, you can go deep, right? You can go really deep. And, and being deep is really what, like, that's what it says in the Bible, right? Go deep into Christianity. I'm not sure where it says that in the Bible because it actually, it doesn't. It says follow Jesus for sure. Nothing wrong with going deep. Go deep. But is that the point? How many of you garden? Anybody garden? Okay. I have a, I have a little raised bed garden that we put together in our backyard, and I wanted, to let, I wanted to make everything to make homemade salsa because that just sounds awesome, right? And, like, I'm still in Cinco de Mayo mindset, okay, because... I love salsa. It's probably my favorite snack. And so we were going to grow tomatoes, and then I decided not onion plants don't sound fun, so I decided just not to do that. And so, uh, and jalapenos, and like all, all these different things. And we were committed to being organic, okay? We, so we got like the organic soil. We got organic fertilizer, which smells worse. Like it smells like poop, right? Uh, so, so anyway, can you say poop in church? I don't know. Pastor John's not here, so hey. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, so, so we make this garden, and we're committed to it being organic because it's going to be more nutritious, it's going to be better for us, the tomatoes will be redder, and everything will be wonderful, right? Uh, and then our neighbor, uh, she has a garden, and, uh, and it's a little bit bigger than ours because she planned on doing kale and, and rhubarb and all these different fruits and, and everything, and she had this huge garden, and she was pouring miracle Grow all over that, just gross, I mean, that stuff, like miracle Grow. really, do you, I mean, do you know how much you're going to have to scrub your tomatoes to have to get all the miracle Grow off of that? I mean, that's just, that's just not right. And this is what we do with church. We say that, well, my organic garden, that's the real stuff. But you growing your stuff with miracle Grow over there, that's, oh, that's just disgusting. That's not biblical. But you know what happened? After a few months, my tomatoes looked kind of shabby. We had some good ones, but nowhere near as many as she had. 
She, I couldn't give tomatoes away. I ate them all. She was giving tomatoes away because she couldn't eat them all. So she got to be generous, and I didn't. And the temptation in saying, well, smaller is better is sometimes we forget that if smaller just feeds you, then you're not accomplishing your mission as a church. If going deeper is just about you and your relationship with Jesus, you're actually not deep. Deep means sharing. Deep means generosity. Deep, deep means going out beyond your own little home and your own little world with your own little organic garden that you feel so great about because you're deep and you have all these nutrients and aren't you just so special? That, that's not the church that we can be. Smaller, small is fine. There are so many churches that are a small number. I was a part of a house church when I was in seminary. I loved it. It was so much fun. And we did everything that we could to continue to grow. Because we knew that being deep wasn't enough. Now, the opposite mistake that people can make is they can say, well, well bigger is better. Bigger is better. Let's pour that miracle grow all over this church and make it as big as we can. And you know what's going to happen is people are going to say, wow, you're to- you just give tomatoes all the time. Aren't you so fabulous? And we're going to be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, man, I wish everybody knew how to grow tomatoes like us because aren't we just really good at growing tomatoes? We're just the best. And the, the temptation when you say bigger is better is-, is to start to think that it's about you and what you're doing. One of the things that we've learned at Hope as we've grown, uh, the growth has been so much more than like religious sociology where, you know, okay, if we just play the right music, if we just have the right lighting, then people will come. Uh, Some places try to take that strategy. We just kind of decided we liked that and, and, and that just seems to work. But if you've been around Hope long enough, you know that there's been all sorts of different things that we've done because we don't worship tradition, we worship God. And so we do whatever we can. Not to like pour miracle grow and create some sort of like like pesticide church where uh, all the corn is in like a perfect row and has no disease except for this all only one crop. Like no, that's that's not what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is diverse. The kingdom of God is wild. The kingdom of God has so much going on. As being on staff at Hope, I I've learned that sometimes we like all look around at each other on staff. We're like, how's this happening? We don't know what's. I mean, I don't know how to how this happened. I don't know how this many people showed up. And I don't know how, like, they didn't rampage all over each other because it, it, there's just, like, a God thing that's happening. And, and for us, it's so inspiring. Like, we're, sometimes we just get so stressed out trying to, like, make everything work. And then God's like, ha, ha, this is actually about me, not about you. And then he does a God thing. And then we're like, oh, yeah, God, that's awesome. Thank you for being you. And the danger is that we think, oh, well, we're so deep with our little organic garden. Or the danger is we think it's about us and how cool that we are. And, and here's some of the reasons why people don't think mega churches, churches with more than 2,000 people, multiple campuses or anything like that are good. This, this is, these are just some accusations that we hear from time to time. Uh, this isn't hope, by the way. It's just I just Googled, like, what's a huge church? Uh, that's a church that meets in a football stadium, I believe, or that's a basketball stadium in Texas. Uh, and so we get uh, things all the time. Mega churches get this all the time. Well, it's all about the money and no generosity, right? We just, it's all about the bucks. It's all about the crowds and no relationship. I mean, everyone just kind of walks in and it's just a, 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 it's really wide, but it's not very deep. It's all about the show, but there's no substance. It's, it's all about the numbers, 
and it's no depth. Um, there's been people that have studied megachurches, and yeah, there's some churches that do this. But you know how one bad apple makes the whole barrel seem bad, right? The studies show that these are actually just straight-up lies. There's no evidence that this is a trend among large churches whatsoever. And one of the things that I can tell you working on staff here and for those of you that have been around here and know hope long enough is that we can't be this. Like, it's, it, it can't be us because God's at the center. And his word doesn't allow us to be like that. And we go wherever he leads the truth is, it's not that smaller is better, it's not that bigger is better, it's that better is better. Amen? It's that better is better. And, and we're focused not on being smaller or bigger, we're focused on being better. We're focused on being more faithful. We're focused on following Jesus. And so this is, this is what, uh, what Jesus says. Jesus, uh, Jesus says this. He was sitting down at dinner with some religious people. And they were eating, and uh, Jesus was talking, and whenever Jesus would talk, people would be pretty amazed at anything that he had to say, especially the religious people, because the religious people would hear what he had to say, and they'd be like, huh, I think he's right, but I don't like it. But after a while, this guy was listening to him, and, and this is what happened. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. So essentially, what a blessing would it be to sit down and have a fancy dinner with God? And little did he know that's exactly what he was doing. He was sitting down, and he was having dinner with Jesus. And he just didn't know that he was, the kingdom of God was right in front of him. And so Jesus, he replies with this story. He says, a man prepared a great feast, and he sent out what? What did he send out? Okay, that was like a mumble. Like, blah, blah, blah. He, what did he send out? Many. How many? Many. He sent out a lot of invitations. Tons. Many. That's right. So he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, because this was a, a banquet that was so uh, epic that it needed some time to prepare, okay? So when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. This means that they were already committed they were already going to come to the party. They were already uh, invested in being there. But then they started making excuses. And I think we tend to do this too. We see this all the time. Uh, so one said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. In other words, I have lots of responsibilities and they're kind of getting in the way of this party. Like, I know your party's really great and everything. I know this is really important. I know that I should like, like be there. That would be something that I should really do. But the truth is, I'm really busy. I, I got a lot going on and that I have to be responsible for, so please excuse me. Someone else, uh, he, he, said, he said this, he, and I think he must have been like a cowboy or something like that. I just bought five pairs of oxen, because like, only a cowboy gets excited about that. That's, that's, I mean, oxen. He got some new toys, right? He's really excited. Maybe for you it's like the new iPhone or it's the new car or it's the new video game system. I work with high school students, so it's almost always the new video game. Uh, and, and so, so uh, it, this guy gets some new toys and he says, I want to try them out. And isn't it true that sometimes it's the fun distractions in our life that can get in the way of the party that God has for us? And, and I like this last one. Now I have a wife, so I can't come. What? 
That's a serious ball and chain issue right there. They're going to need some marriage counseling or something. I don't know. So, and so this is what happened. The servant returned and told his master what they had said, and his master was what? Furious. furious. How can a loving God be furious? He's furious. And actually, it really makes a lot of sense because this banquet was not cheap. This banquet really costs something. Back in the day, when you would host a banquet, that meant you bought outfits for everyone in attendance. That means you fed them all. If this was a wedding banquet, that means it would go for a week. Some of you, you're like, I can barely afford to host one party. Imagine hosting a party for a week. Like, this was an expensive thing. They had already committed. He had already prepared a place at the table for them. And, and then they just said, hey, sorry, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I feel a little too responsible. Hey, I, my five oxen, they would be even more fun than going to your banquet. Oh, well, I have a wife now, and she controls everything about my life, so I guess that I just can't come. I still don't quite understand that one. i got to pray about it more. Uh, anyway, maybe God will reveal to me... Uh, Maybe it's just that this guy just was making up excuses. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But they're all making up these excuses. And so the master is furious because there's a place for them and they're missing it. And so this is what he says. He says, go quickly to the streets and the alleys. This isn't exactly where, this wasn't exactly where uh, the country club of the town was. He went to the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And so the servant went and, and did just that. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, there's still room for you. There's still room for you. There's still room for you. And, and I know, like, you might look around and be like, okay, this room's kind of full right now. This room's kind of full right now. We would do anything that we can to make room for more. Guess what? There is still room for more. And, and why do we do this? It says in verse 23, so the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. And that means don't just go into town and go to like the poor places in town. Go outside of town. Go far away and do anything you can to find anyone you can because I want everyone to experience this party. It's going to be amazing. So go out and urge who? Anyone and everyone that you find. Why? So the house will be full. God loves a crowded party. And so heaven is meant to be crowded. Heaven isn't meant to, to be, you know, just kind of a, a country club for people that are, live these, like, good religious lives. It's not country club in the sky. Heaven looks very, very different. The Bible describes heaven as a wedding feast. The church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. And who's it about? It's about the relationship that they share. It's not about our preferences. It's not about like what, whether we like big or small or hymns or, or contemporary or, or whatever it might be. It's, it's not whether we like mega church or house church or whatever kind of church. It's about Jesus. And when it becomes about Jesus, all of a sudden what happens is, is that it's, it's no longer about preferences. And it's, it doesn't matter if, if we feel crowded or if we're spread out. Our God is at the center. And what happens when that happens is that people are drawn to Jesus. What do healthy things do? What do healthy tomato plants do? 
they grow, and they reproduce, and they bear fruit. And that's our job. As a church, we're going to do that. We already are doing that because God's at the center. God's party doesn't look like you'd expect it to. It's not all one skin color. It's not all one political persuasion. It's full of very different people, very different ages. When you get to heaven someday, you might be looking around and you might say, man, I didn't know if they would be there, right? And then someone else is going to be walking around and be like, man, I didn't know that they would be there, right? I didn't know Nick would be there. But we're going to get to heaven. There's going to be so many different surprises like, whoa, there, here? God's grace is amazing. There's always room for anyone at God's party to receive their invitation through faith. We see this in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter, he, he uh, is preaching, and uh, he's declaring who Jesus is. He's putting Jesus at the center, and 3,000 people come to faith in one day. Boom, megachurch, born in 24 hours. Isn't that incredible? 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, and then they started meeting in homes and in small groups. And so, so a lot of times people say, well, uh, okay, you can have the crowd, or you can have the, the small group, the community. Not true. Not true. The only reason that this church is what it is and does what it does is because of the small groups of people that serve on various teams, that meet in each other's homes, that get into each other's lives. And if you're not in a group or you're not serving on a team, I guarantee, I give you like two years maybe, and then you'll be bored with Christianity, I promise. You'll just be bored with it, and you'll be like, mm, yeah, it's good, we like our church. But if you don't get involved like that, you're, you're going to be missing some really important stuff to actually make a tomato, to bear some fruit, Right? You're going to be missing some really important stuff. Uh, and this is exactly what the Acts 2 church did. God cares about the crowds. Jesus, in his ministry, he was uh, preaching, and, and he ended up feeding 5,000 and 4,000. And on multiple different, uh, different occasions, he was feeding these huge masses of people. Jesus likes a crowd. And so do we. And it's not because bigger is better. Or that smaller and deeper is better, but better is better. And when better becomes better, with Jesus at the center, healthy things grow and healthy things reproduce. So I just want to ask the question, is hope big enough already? Well, no. But the, my question back would be, big enough for who? Big enough for God? Like, is there a church that could be big enough for God? Is there a church that could be big enough to, to make heaven just like, like, sorry, we just don't have any more room. Sorry, I know that you were like a really good person and everything. I know that you were really religious and everything, but we just have too many religious people that are more religious than you, so sorry. That's not what it's like. The God that can create, that's created this universe, the God that's created this ragtag bunch of, of sinners called the church, he has room. And if there's one thing I want you to know, I want you to know that there is room for anyone at God's party. Anyone. There's room for absolutely anyone. That includes you. That includes your neighbor. And so uh, this, is, this is what I want us to do. And me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel encouraged right now. This is what I want us to do. There's, there's three things, okay? And, and you, so for some of you, you're already doing this. 
Some of you, you're doing a couple of these, and you want to grab onto one more, okay? Uh, for some of you, you're, you're like, I'm not sh still sure what I believe in, in all of this. That's okay. This is for, like, the hope people that are, like, committed. Like, this is my home. This is my people. If you're here and checking things out, awesome. Keep checking it out. You get a glimpse into, like, what it's like to be on the inside of this family today. So this is what we're going to do, okay? There's three things. I want you to check your heart. If, if for some reason you don't really have a heart for growing right now, it might be that you're not enjoying Jesus as much as you're meant to. It might be that you've kind of lost perspective on how epic this party is, how meaningful his party is. So I want you to check your heart. What's, what's the pulse of your faith? Because going deep is not deep. Sharing deep is deep. Sharing love. The deepest Christians are not those that know the most, it's those that love the most. God did not put us in an either-or kind of church. He put us in a both-and kind of church, a church that's deep and wide. And so I want you to check your heart. Where's your heart on this? Do you want to share this good news that you have? The other night, I was at my Cinco de Mayo party, and uh, my wife and I are pregnant. We're 21 weeks, which is very exciting. We just found out it's a boy. <laughs> and so, so I am literally sharing the ultrasound pictures with everybody. With, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah, oh, thank you. That's great. But I don't care. I'm just going to show it to everybody because I am so – this is my firstborn, can you tell? And I'm just so excited about the good news that I'm going to have a baby boy. And this is what good news is like. Good news means that you have to share it because it just makes your heart beat. And I want you to check the pulse on your faith. Because when the, when the news is really good, you want to share it. The other thing I want us to continue to do, we're already doing this, but I want us, just this preventative maintenance, let's keep making room. Let's keep making room. We're going to make adjustments. Hey, you know what? If it takes playing polka music to get more people in here to worship Jesus, we're going to play some polka music, okay? And we're all going to jump and dance and sing our hearts out. I don't even like polka music. I think it's corny. It's just not my culture. I don't get it. But I will, I will do anything that we can. We will, in fact, do anything short of sin, right? Anything short of sin to reach out and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Last thing is, is I want you guys to go and invite. I mean, if your heart is beating for this good news, and, and if we've made the room, the invitation is literally in your head, and that means it's time to go to the streets, to go to the alleys, to go to the country roads and the hedges, and to find those that are missing out on hope. And I'm not talking about hope like, like our church. Our church is fine. I love our church. But I'm talking about the God of hope, the one who is hope, the reason why we named our church hope. We want to invite them because they have a seat at the banquet with their name on it. And the invitation's in your hands. So I want you to go, and I want you to invite. And, and here's, here's a little tip for inviting. Don't, like, go and, and, uh, and find your, your neighbor or your coworker and be like, okay, so this weekend my pastor said that I should invite someone to church, and you are a heathen. So you should come to church, and then you will be saved for eternity. How does that sound? No, don't do that. That would be very weird, and they won't come, I promise. Okay. The other thing that you don't want to do is say, hey, I've noticed that you're pretty immoral. Come to church and you'll get more moral. That's not how sharing your faith goes, okay? You share your morals that, that Christ gives you through your actions, not your words. And then you share who Jesus is to you with your story. That's with your words. 
And the hesitancy that we have is to flip those things around. But we're hesitant to, to uh, uh, actually say who God is to us with our words. And we just try to, oh, I'll just be a good person in front of them. Well, that's why they think that maybe they aren't worthy about being for, to be here. So they think, oh, well, I mean, their highlight reel looks really great. And I know the behind the scenes of my life, and I probably wouldn't fit in there. What if we went and we invited, because Jesus is at the center, because it's a party of grace. And you know what would happen if we did this? And we are doing this. It's why it's so much fun to be a part of this family and to be involved in this family, this church family. All of a sudden, it goes from being rituals and religion to a mission, something significant, something Amazing, something that goes beyond us and me personally and even our families. It, it, just, it goes beyond even our, our community. It goes into eternity. And that's fun. I mean, that's a party. It's amazing. In the movie Father of the Bride, there came this moment where the wedding reception was happening and, and George is trying to make sure that everything works right and there's so many people like they thought it was going to be a small and quaint little wedding. It became extravagant. It became huge. And there was no more room to park any cars. And so they had to find a way to make room. And look at what they did. Look at the emotions they had when they had to make room for this party. Take a look. I'm not saying do illegal things to get people to church, okay? But what I am saying is that we will do anything to make room. We'll do anything to make room, anything short of sin, to reach out and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because their seat at the banquet costs something. Something, I mean, it was very expensive. Because Jesus paid for that seat with his life, with his body and his blood. See, on the night before he went to the cross and died and made a way for them to have a seat at the banquet, for you to have a seat at the banquet, for me to have a seat at the banquet. On that night, he sat down to another table, had another celebration with, with his disciples. It was the last night of his life, the last supper of his life, and, and he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, and, and he said, take this and eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new deal. It's poured out in my blood. It's for you, and it's for all, for anyone who wants to come to God's party. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know what that means? That means that when we receive this meal in faith, that we're made new, that we're forgiven of our sins, that we have a seat at the banquet. God. I wonder how many people need to receive that invitation. 